So hey, welcome back everybody to wellnesstalks.org. This is, I'm, I'm your host, Todd Shrink. And I'm here once again with one of my longtime best friend, best buddy. I don't even, there's not a good word to describe. Brother. Him, except you know, <laughs> an appendage that happened to get separated, you know, in before birth. So welcome back, Jim. Yeah, thanks. Love being here. Love these conversations. Looking forward to this. Awesome. So let's let's dig in. We're gonna we're gonna play around with a unique idea today. Awesome. Let's go. A, a really cool topic this week, which has come up a, a number of times, is people coming to the realization that in order to become less anxious, to become less worried, it's almost like small doses of exposure. And, and what COVID is doing is just constantly dosing people with this. So, and then I was like, I feel like in some ways I'm getting a little bit better with this in other ways, you know, I, I'm not. And I'm like, well, it's kind of like this. How do you, how do you treat osteoporosis? And they're like, well, with medication and then weight bearing exercise. I'm like, yeah. So play with the weight bearing exercise for a second. And what's, what's that all about? And they're like, well, you go in, you, you work out or you're, you're doing steps. I'm like, yeah, but the, me the mechanism, what's underneath that? And they're just like, well, I guess you're applying pressure. I'm like, exactly. You're purposely applying pressure. And what that does is it causes what's there to actually break down. And then it has to transform and it becomes stronger. This is different than feeling resilient. Resilient means something hits you, bounce off, bounces off of you, and you keep going. I'm like, if anything, there's not really a good word for this. I haven't found anything. The only thing I've found that's out there is anti-fragile. There was a book in 2012, I think, called Anti-Fragile. And he kind of talks about this, this weird synthesis that happens. You're, you're not resisting it, pushing it back. You're, it hits you, and then you have to reorganize. And then once you're done reorganizing, boom. Or what's the old phrase? That it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. Right, right. Right. So it's, it's really, that's actually been a, a, a pretty big theme this past week with a lot of, a lot of folks, not just patients, but friends and family. It's like, you know, you realize that when we're done with COVID, a lot of people, we're going to be more than just resilient. We're going to be anti-fragile. You're going to have this adaptability that's going to be strengthened. Your, your ability to process, to take stuff in, to reorganize and then re-engage we'll end up being better people. And we always give lip service to the, the war, the great war generation, the depression generation and world war II generation. We look back at those people in awe and we have the highest respect for them, but we have no clue. Like we're, it's, it's very cliche and lip service to, you know, to look back at that. We need to act like them without actually understanding what it was that they experienced. And now we're getting a taste. And this was 1929 to 19, 45. I mean, it was just this, this long drawn out period. And yeah, these people were tough as nails because they had to be. Well, something that's very interesting regarding that is that there are some studies that are done on the physiology of the body oh, absolutely. that point to the need for stress, the balance that stress gives the body. And of course, I'm not talking about the kinds of stress that People not, not mental, emotional. You're talking right. about physical. Yeah. Right. And, and well, and I think that uh, there's, so the, in, in my understanding of it, 
the idea of anti-fragile is that it's also mental and emotional. In other words, you don't, I think it breaks down when mentally or emotionally you have a sense of something being wrong instead of there being a pressure that needs your attention. And the idea of anti-fragile is, is uh, um, that, oh, okay, this is the new, this is the new thing I need to look at, you know? Um, and it's, well, an act points to this when, when we're talking about, you have a reality slap. That's that, that thing, which just slams, slams into your reality. And then when you look up on how the dust is gone and there's this reality gap, oh my God, where I am and where I actually wanted to be. And boom, there's this thing in the way. Right. And the immediate thing our mind does is try to close that gap. But sometimes like right now with COVID, we can't close that gap. I mean, we're working on it and perhaps we'll come up with, but it's never going to be completely closed. And as we are, the culture as a, as a whole is shifted. I, we're not going to go back to how we did business exactly. There's going to be the, the telemedicine, the telehealth, the conferencing, the working from home. That's, I think people got a taste of it now. And it's not that bad. At first we were all like, oh, this is horrible. I don't want to stand screens and blah, 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 blah. But now, now people are like, you know, that's anti-fragile. That's, I, I, there's got to be a better word because, you know, it, and I don't want to like necessarily use anti-fragile because you know, they're using, you're using a two negatives to kind of take Yeah, it. yeah, no, I know what you mean. It does, it does, it does, for most people, it, it doesn't come across the way we're trying to describe it as something that would. It's almost like resolve, embrace. resolution, adaptation. I mean, if, if you were to make it a book title, I think it would just be like resolve. Like this is, this is how we you know, we emerge. It's, it's the phoenix rising from the ashes. Um, you know, there's a lot of components to it. It's, it's, there's a certain level of resistance, but then, and, and it's not like you're breaking. You're, you're, it's almost like you're um, an amoeba or some kind of a bubble. And instead of, instead of like pushing back against what's ever pushing against the membrane, you just kind of like, and you open it up and now you're a little bit bigger, but you've got it inside and it just becomes who you are. Right. And right. we do this, we've done this from day one. You know, it's like something hits us and we're like, ah, oh, and then we, we almost have to like reorganize and, and realign. And well, there's we, another way to express it, which is um, if you're not creating your life, it will get created. It's a lot of people who are at that point in their life where they're having, you know, something happen to them. They're sick or, you know, uh, other emotional or whatever issues they're there because they reached that point from staying comfortable for too long that the world said, uh, you know, that's not how things work. Time to change. And if you think about it, it's always been amazing to me when I go to city to city to city and everybody gets up at the same time and tries to drive to work at the same time, creating a bottleneck on the highways when there's so many hours in a day and so many easy ways to deal with that. And the world just said, yeah, let's switch things up a little bit. <laughs> well, that or it's just like these systems eventually, as all the parameters change and the pressures put on, because we're human and we behaviors are easy. Behaviors are something for us to just, just do. And then we don't have to expend a lot of energy because we don't like expending energy if we don't have to. And then all of a sudden you have a drastic change to a variable. COVID, COVID starts, you know, it's, it's something we have to respond to. And that, and that's just the natural course of nature. It's just things always, hurricanes hit, fires happen. 
earthquakes. But, but what part of the person doesn't want to change? And, and if you read the book, Thinking Fast and Slow, this is fascinating because they've demonstrated how the mind operates to find solutions to uh, circumstances that are before you. Yeah. And the use of the brain to use its pre-programmed filters to give you an answer that you leverage. And right away, the thing that I think of is that if I, if I have an abstract disposition where I'm, let's call it diffusing, if I'm being mindful, another way to say it, right? Yes. Then I'm not just, I'm, I'm just being present and I'm not trying to assign meaning to it as it happens. And then does it, my, my big question here is, is, and then do you need to find the energy? Why are we finding the energy to deal with it? Is it because we're pre-built for that meeting, meaning finding, and why mindfulness is so beautiful? Because it gets you to just be in the moment. It allows you to be curious, to be open, openness. Right, to be present. And, and some people are going to function better at that. You know, the, the five-factor model shows some people are more open, some people are less open. And But all you need is a couple pioneers to find the technology and do what they're doing, which is what happened. And then everybody else is like, what? This is against my... Oh, wait a minute, this, huh? Hmm. I mean, once you get over that initial hump of having to learn the new technology, to, and that happens every single time a new phone comes out, a new update to a Windows, a new update to whatever, what do people do? Ah, what is this? You know, and then what do we do? Oh, well, you know, hmm. Yeah. Wow, this thing does this, it does this, it does this. You know, and so it's, it's kind of like the two old guys from that, the, the Muppet show, you know, that was terrible. It was awful. It was bad. It was bad. It was, it was not too bad. It was, it was average. Well, it's not too, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah. It's like, yay. But no, man. You know, <laughs> and I think that was part of the thing that was there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And we do that. We go from one way to the other or back. So it's just human beings are pretty damn hysterical sometimes. So, yeah, but that's really interesting to me um, that, that, it, it, this really fits in with the conversation. I love the conversation because before I always ponder what we'll talk about um, before these calls. And this morning's theme was um, the word abstract. I like the word mindfulness better because it, this goes back to what we've talked about again and again. Right. How do I start talking about non-dual stuff in a dualistic language? Not easy. But if I just give the mechanics of mindfulness, in other words, the idea is to quiet the mind and just be present. Right. Um, and we look at the power of that. In fact, as you just put it, described it in a framework of uh, psychological flexibility, the importance of openness and um, uh act as far as them really speaking to, you know, this is, you know, really an important aspect of, I'll just call it a um, development of, of personal development. Um, but I really, I, I don't know. I've been, the way I pondered it this morning was um, it seems to me that there's a, challenge in recognizing 
it's really hard because we're naturally, um, as thinking fast and slow would say, fast thinkers, which is really non-thinking. And well, it's, it's, so, it's so, problem solve, problem solve, problem solve. And, and we do that a lot and it works a lot. It's like, you know, oh, I dropped the coffee. I can clean it up. Or I blew a tire. My tires are low. I get in the car. My light goes on the other day. Boop, your tires are low. It's the first day it drops below 30 some degrees. I'm like, oh, okay. Let's stop off, fill it up. Fix, fix. You know, so that's the fast. It's a quick solutions. And that's gotten us really far. And, but now this, I guess the slow, the slow thing is like sometimes you have to slow yourself down because my mind could have jumped into, oh my God, I must have a flat. And I could have been panicking the entire time. And that was like the first thought. I'm like, oh, damn it, do I have a flat? Wait a minute. And so I stepped back in that moment. And I, what's nice now is you know, the car has a little thing where I can see how much air is in each tire. And I look at the scan and I'm like, I pull it up. I'm like, oh, that's right. That's cool technology. I'm like, I hate using this thing, but I'm like, now I'm using it. So there's right, right there is the irony. Right. And I see, I'm like, all four tires are down four pounds, not just one down a lot. Huh. But I could have gone with my initial response was the sky is falling. I mean, and you, there's no way I'm going to get past. Well, that you might have for a moment, right? It, when you first saw it, it might have been, oh, shit. No, no. It was like, ah, oh, damn it. Yeah. yeah. It could and be flat. There's, there's no way people want to try to avoid that kind of a moment. You, you can't. You can't. It's, you're going to get nailed by something sooner or later. <clears throat> and that's, that's part of the strategy some folks are having is that, I'm just going to stay home and cut myself off and not go anywhere. And then there's the pain of absence, the connection, the actually doing something creative, the being out, the being involved. It's like, yeah, yeah. So you're protecting yourself from the possibility, however low, of it actually being a flat tire. Because, you know, if I would have stayed home, then I would never would have had that experience. I wouldn't have had that three seconds of, <gasps> right? So it's, it's just really getting people to see the pain of presence, the thing that's actually happening. And in that pain of presence, you're going to experience it. Can we step back and start to just pay attention to what's going on? Because then all I did was look at the, the monitor and I was able to see, oh, it's actually all four. I can get that later. I know what this is. And I went to work. And then I, got, I filled the tires up on the way home because I didn't want to be late. So it's like all these little things fall in place. Or the other one that I've been using a lot is, I'm sure you've done this. You go, you know, hauling into, do you need something It's later? You get in the car, you go up to get milk or eggs or something, and you get to the convenience store and you push, you go to the door and boom, you fall off the door. Like, blam, just pushed backwards. And I'd actually seen a person that got super pissed one time. He's like, damn it, I came up here and he's walking around the parking lot. And I'm like, sir? And he's like, yeah, what, what? And I'm like, pull? And he's like, ah, oh, damn it, I'm such an idiot. Can't believe I didn't. So part of it's like, if he just would have taken the time, just back up. I mean, what, what do you normally do? A lot of times people, if I've done that, you've done it. We hit the door and you stop for a second. You're like, wait, what just happened? And you step back and you realize, pull. Oh, uh, and then you keep going, right? Same kind of a concept is that we, we hit that moment and we, if we could just be mindful, step back and just breathe for a second. Well, but what does trigger it and, and where's your threshold? So I, I'd have a question. Well, if everybody does it, but people have different thresholds. because well, Like the gentleman in the parking lot, obviously there must have been a series of things that have happened where, or actually I've had this was a prevalent thought. It doesn't matter what I do, bad things always happen. 
So if that guy coming up to the door has that unconscious thing that he's never taken time to pull out and take a look at, then when he hits the door, that that routine, that subroutine just goes off. See, this is just me. I suck. The whole world is out to get me. But but that's my point because on one hand, um, so what you said is, look, this is how we work. You can't do anything about it. But we are exploring the fact that there are thresholds and things that influence when you'll get triggered and when you don't, which would lead me to believe that there's some uh, 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 some avenues to be de- explored there relative to what you said earlier, which is, you know, how do you get to that place where you can expose, you said we need some pioneers to really show us what's possible here. And then there are, I mean, that's the mindfulness movement has because come out of that saying, Hey, you know, it, but it's unfortunately it gets sold and gets touted is it's going to, it's going to, it's like snake oil. A lot of times too, it's like, Oh, this will make your life so much better. And what they're doing is they're actually selling you a way to escape, avoid, control something. But if you actually just utilize mindfulness as a way just to recognize that this is an innate aspect of what it means to be human, and then you have the ability to nudge, like just kind of, okay, I can let that sit and move in that direction. It's a conscious practice that has to be done, just like driving. I mean, you know, you, you had to learn how to, you know, you're really paying attention, had to do all the time, and eventually it just becomes more second nature. I really don't know that there's anything that we really learn emotionally and intellectually that we don't engage through how we identify with things through our body. Amy Cuddy's book that I talked to you about last time where all she's teaching people to do is stand with your legs apart and your hands on your hips and put yourself up and hold that for two minutes. That's it. And uh, William James, of course, talked about this years ago. He promoted the theory that this is, you know, which came first? Is it a thought or does my body project it? And I don't know that there seems like a chicken and egg thing. An integral part of making those kinds of changes is practicing something. And remembering, remembering to do it when well, it happens. You drop it down into that. That's that's this well, thing, right? That's, that's therapy. Because therapy, when we're dealing with somebody and they're, I, I watch them and they're getting upset and they're falling into it, the, the, the fusion is, hey, you want to try something? When, do you want a way out? And they're like, yeah, of course, that's why I'm here. You know, And you're just kind of like, okay, so can we just lean back, stand up, and put your arms out? And let's just watch what happens. Just, I know, I know. Just, just let's stay... Trust me, let's just stay here for a moment and see what happens. I'm just asking you to try an experiment. And you'll, you'll watch as the emotional, it just, it just dims a little bit. And this has been talked about multiple times. Peterson, in his book, yeah, stand tall with your, with, your arm, with your shoulders back. I mean, it's, there's something to be said for the, the posture. Yeah. All the way down, I think he says, all the way down to lobsters. The, you know, you're doing this, you're actually causing the, the, the serotonin in your opening yourself up and you're being present versus this, I'm actually closing everything off. And this is why (laughs) I see that. Because I ask people like, what what is, when you're being at your best with an issue like this, how would you look? What would you do sitting in front of me? And they're like, well, at my best, I would be like this. And I was like, okay, so then can you show me with your body what it would look like if, you know, when you're at your worst, I'm like, oh, that's easy. <laughs> yeah. And they're they're all they're all just like they ball themselves up. 
So I'm like, well, if, if you automatically go to this ball position, which by the way, is a great way to protect yourself if you're being attacked by a bear 100,000 years ago, you know, try, trying to get everything in. I'm like, but nothing's actually physically attacking you, but this is just how we're wired to respond. And we actually need to do almost the opposite. Oh God, this really sucks. This really hurts. This really hurts, but I'm just going to stay out like this. I mean, even just doing that right now, it feels good. I mean, so if, you know, if somebody's watching this, it'd be like, hey, when I'm, standing, when I'm standing at my um, desk, which, you know, I've got the mobile yeah. thing so I can stand there and I'm in a meeting and I need energy. I just put my hands on my hips and I just stand there for a few minutes while I'm talking. It just picks things up. And it's, it's automatic. And we do this, we do this like unconsciously. A little bit. How many times have you seen, how many times have you been at your desk, you're seeing people at their desk and what do they do when they're starting to feel sluggish and slow? They do this. Right, right. Oh, these big, open, oh, I need more energy. Oh yeah, I love, I love to put my hands and clasp them behind my back, pull and then pull them up. And this yeah. is, oh, it feels just, so good. It's just opening this oh, whole area up. Absolutely. Amazing. It's amazing. Well, I've got, we've got less than three minutes. And so I think what I'll do is stop us here so that I can say goodbye gracefully. And sure. Well, let me do this and let's, let's do like a, well, yeah. Thanks for the talk today, Jim. It was always, always a pleasure. Always. Absolutely.